Fresher Than New Father podcast. Boom. 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 That reminds me. What's that? So I was kicking it in um, last weekend in various parts of Brooklyn. And I'm, I'm walking up the street out on Fifth Ave, way south, down near Bay Ridge. And um, look across the street, and there's like a... It's one of these like kind of, you know, kind of, kind of. I don't want to say shady, but you know, one of these electronic stores. They sell video games. They sell various doodads, electronics, do doodads. You know what I mean? Like do, like doodad electronics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe last year's model. Maybe some like overpriced watches. Maybe some, or maybe some cheap versions of, of like a Game Boy. I don't, you know, I don't know stuff like that. Right? It did say video games on the awning. But the name of the store? Boom. Boom? Boom. Boom. I thought of you. They they can get that off? <laughs> they got it off. Yeah. They, they had the corner spot. Wow. So they got a choice spot, choice name, boom. Boom. It's just hate right there that I just came with. <laughs> what episode is this? I have no idea. I'm about, I'm about to figure that out. I should know this off the top. Episode 42. 42? Yeah. The powerful number. Let's, let's, let's discuss. How, how is it a powerful number? Well, when you think about it, <clears throat> I can't, I can't. I, I can't manufacture that. But I bet you when we turn 42, it'll feel powerful as fuck. <laughs> powerful age. Two plus two is four. Yep. So two into four. Mm. Four divided by... It, it, it's powerful because it's it's uh, there's some kind of synthesis between the digits. I don't know what the fuck that means, but it sounded cool to say. You know what I mean? Two from four creates two. Exactly. If you had two twos, you would get four. Yes. But if you have four twos, you have eight, and then that veers off course. So we'll just stick with. Except that two times four is eight. It is eight. That's kind of what you just said. Anyway. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hence. Hence the lukewarmness of the power of 42. Yeah, but I feel like it's mysterious enough that when we reach 42, we'll know the true power, the true meaning. We will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. No question. I'm, lo I'm locked in right now. That's Fresh than your father. I got a brand new pair of headphones, Shures. Wow. They cut out a lot of noise. I'm locked in. All I can hear is the podcast. I'm 100%. That's what you want. You tell everybody else, yo, no, no, no. No. Not right now. Yeah, stay away. Other sounds, peace. Oh, speaking of which, I'm in the market for some new headphones soon. Word. Funny, but I'm in the market. And I was investigating these uh, these beats. These be be beats by Mr. Uh, Mr. Dre. Mr. Dre. 
Dr. Dre. And uh, so people were saying that they don't do well with uh, keeping the sound in. The sound leaks out. Hmm. You sound leakage. Yeah. Leakage is never usually a good thing. No. There's no circumstance where leaking is good. So what what's what's the word? Well, you 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 contemplating these these uh these these headphones yeah, they're I, coming in various colors, various I, styles. Quick, I want to shout out Kevin Hart, homie I went to high school with, doing big things out here, designing beats, special edition beats. Wow. So he just did uh, a set for Nas, nice. and set for the. Uh, Men's Olympic basketball team. Wow. You know, shout out him from way back when. Now he's out here designing these beats, plus various other graphic design styles. So, event, I'm off the beats thing. It was just interesting to read lukewarm reviews of these beats because everybody wears beats. Beats. I was say, speaking of beats, why does beat? Why do beats taste like dirt? They taste like red dirt. Why is that? Why do people eat those things? I don't know. Cats, cats who are in the beats, like those kinds of beats, it's a certain kind of cat. It's a real you're, certain cat. You're really into beats or you're not into beats. Now, my grandmother did used to come with the beet jelly. Ooh. But she would flavor it with raspberry flavor. So the beet was just a base, right? But you're really getting raspberry jelly. I couldn't, for years, I couldn't understand how does my grandma get these dirt flavored rocks of just red, delicious sweetness. She was coming with raspberry flavor. The raspberry flavors, man, are secret ingredients. You know what I mean? Grandmas have that. They know about those delicious flavors. That's true. That's very true. You know what I mean? My grandma definitely cooked up some some mighty flavors. I think it's like grandma's jobs description or something. Once you shift into that mode, you have to come with flavors. Absolutely. They do. Shout out grandmas everywhere. Yeah, shout out. So I'll keep the the listeners, both of you posted. If I can at some point afford headphones, I'll let you know what I get. Although at this point my daughter is obsessed with my glasses, so I should probably buy another pair of glasses. Is that a reason What's to it? uh to buy another pair of glasses? Oh dude, it's just a matter of time before she breaks them. Word. Or I break them trying to keep them away from her. But the listeners care about these things. They care about these beats. Did I ever tell you about the guy? I feel like I might have mentioned this. This guy emailed me when back in the MySpace, day, MySpace days. And he was hype. He was hype about music, beats. He came with uh, some guy from Germany. All caps email. <laughs> beats, breaks, loops. That was it. That's all he said? Yeah. Wow. I wonder if that was just all he could write. He was just, he was, he was, you know, he was locked in. That's exciting. I mean, it's pretty, that's the the base stuff right there. Beats, breaks, and loops. Yeah, that's it. It's foundational elements, you know what I mean? Our core. Yeah. That's our core. We're we're rolling from that standpoint. When we're out digging, Mm -hmm. we're mainly after these beats, these breaks, these loops, 
these songs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of digging, I, I was out digging today. You ever fall through a spot that was that spot and then you fall through and it's not that spot anymore? Oh yeah. It's so disappointing. It's so it's it's it gives you a headache almost. It's like so this is the spot that I fell through and on the humble caught double vinyl clean copies of De La, I mean De La, Tribe Called Quest's first three albums. Word. Right? Each, none of them were more than eight bucks. Just mad on the humble. Boom. Boom. So it has a special, you know, you, you make a come up someplace. It, it has a special place in your heart. Yeah. You carry it with you. So it wasn't my favorite day today. You know what? I hadn't been to this spot. I'm falling through that spot. Check with the homie. Is the spot open? Spot's open. I'm there. Boom. Boom. And it was so, like, lukewarm is the only way I can describe it. So lukewarm that I thought, hmm, this Jermaine Jackson from 79 for a dollar might be worth going for. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's the trap. And you're desperate. Yeah. You want you want to make a come up. You want to get something. You you know, to be fair, in this day and age where my ears are, it's legitimately possible that Jermaine Jackson might have a dream. not like deep funk or heartbreak necessarily. Just like a little boogie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For a buck, why not? Yeah, yeah. And right next door is a vegetarian Chinese spot. Uh huh. So I hit up the wife for dinner. What do you think? She says, "Cool, let's do it." Bet. All the meat dishes on the on the on the joint on the the menu. Mm-hmm. Vegetarian. Now, as you know, quite well. This can work well. Mm-hmm. You have spots. In fact, there's the spot, right? There's yeah. the we got the spot. Yeah, been to the spot and come away like, yo, this was not acceptable. It was not. Wasn't. Ugh. I mean, it was alright. It was alright. It was lukewarm. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I've been to those spots. It was a lukewarm afternoon, man. Lukewarm, but I did come away with a joint that might be okay. I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet. The, this Freddie Hubbard, a soulful experiment. Oh yeah, that's a cool album. That's a good album. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. There it is. A little come up. A little something. They're okay for ourselves out in these streets. Yeah. 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 Tell me something, Ian. Do you have a record or several records, and when you're out digging? That you have to almost force yourself to not buy. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. Like, it's like weird. Gotta be common enough that you see it often. Not often, often. You gotta stop. It's not that serious. Here, you're like, it's not the record that, you know, you have a copy of. It's kind of rare. You see it again, you're like, ooh. Nah. Not that. It's the record that you see here and there, and you're like, oh. You're like, I dig that record. Yeah. 
It's a good record. I dig that record. It may not even be good, but I dig it. So, for me, this is so out. It's Maserati. <laughs> Excuse me. Maserati. Ian has no lung. <laughs> There's been some issues with the lungs, but I'm I'm getting better. Maserati. Maserati. You know this Maserati? Maserati just makes me think of Sir Mix-a-Lot. I'm not hip. What's the Maserati connection for Sir Mix-a-Lot? Isn't, isn't he talking about Maseratis and Passion Broadway? Hold on. Tell me about this Maserati while I look up the lyric. You not hit the prime. Hundred miles an hour? Nah. You're, this is more print side project. You're up on these things. I'm, I'm all in on print side projects. You gotta Google Maserati sometime with a Z. Is the other Maserati spelled with a Z? I think so. I don't know. So it's out, man. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I want to buy another another album with grown men dressed as women. It's that's the way you want it. So what, what's what's the record that you're like, oh yeah? I'm I'm wrong. I don't know, but I feel like I can just picture Sir Mix-a-Lot, or you can hear him saying Maserati or some in his weird Mix-a-Lot voice. He doesn't, but he doesn't. So I don't know what it is. Maserati. Someone, someone was rapping about Maseratis. Whoa, man, two albums. Who? Oh, Maserati. <laughs> Players ball. I guess it's all over. 100 miles per hour. That's the joint. 100 miles per hour, man. Champagne Saturday. I'm always ready for for Maserati. This is incredible. These are incredible titles. Oh yeah, and they're dressed like women. They're looking crazy. This is 80s. This is Prince at his heyday. Champagne Saturday. I'm looking at the original band members. Craig Screamer Powell played guitar. Jerome Romeo Cox. He played bass. Mark Starr played keyboards. Come on, man. Sir Casey Terry, lead vocals. Sir Casey. Sir Casey Terry. So you're after this Maserati. You see the Maserati and you're like, yo, 100 miles an hour. That was the joint. I need, I need to go 200 miles an hour. I need doubles. You're picking up speed each time you grab this record. How many copies do you have? At this point, just one. Because I talk myself out of buying. See, it's 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 rare enough that it's not cheap. It's like uh-huh. ten. Okay. So each time I see it, I'm like, I'm not dropping ten on another copy of Maserati. But I always pick it up and walk. You know those joints you pick up and walk around in the store. <laughs> you're ready to leave, you sit there and flip through all of them. Oh yeah. And yeah, this one, yeah. Maserati always gets put back. It's worse when you can't listen. Listening stations make it so oh, easy. Oh, man. They cut all the drama out. Otherwise, it's like, yeah. So, one of my records in the last few years, definitely, is the Mountain Live album. The Hard Break. I one of the most classic breaks. I never see it. I have like four copies. I think I might have a copy for you. Good luck. And that's one of the reasons I keep buying it, because I find it for cheap, and I'm like, do I really need another copy? I guess I could get a copy for Dave. I could get a copy for Alex, you know. That's good looking. Shout out. But, like, 
a lot of copies. They're out there. You know what I mean? I mean, they're not out there super common, but they're not out there in a lot of places super rare either. It's like, oh, it's the Mountain Live album with the hard, one of the most hard, most hard, A.O., one of the, the biggest, most classic Rick Rubin type breaks. Man, if you'd have just gone with, with, you said biggest and then hardest, that'd have been a classic A.O. Boom. On tempo. Yeah. Crazy break. Crazy break. Even when the guitar comes in, it's still raw. Yeah. Mountain. Mountain live. But I will also say, shout out my man Alex back in Portland. Shout out. I know he's listening. He's one of our four dedicated listeners. He's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, back in the day, when we really kind of really started getting up on these, these records, on these digging, digging missions, everyday music, we hit the 50 cent section at Everyday Music back when it was worth something. And we'd be pulling these Grover Washington records like it wasn't, it was just no tomorrow. So we're pulling all the classic fucking Knucklehead, uh, Mr. Magic, right. the live double album. I think I have three or four copies of each of those records. Easy. Soul Box. Soul Box. What's the one with the, fl- he's playing the little like reed instrument? The, bl- the blue, the blue frame. Oh, blanking on it. Soul box. It was coming with chest hair. Oh man, he had no qualms, man. He wanted to let it be known. You fucking with Grover Washington Jr., you're fucking with chest hair. It's a package deal. Yeah. It feels so good, man. <laughs> it feels, see, in Mr. Magic, He's coming out of, I don't know, the pool, the water. Here he is, Mr. Magic, raw in the flesh. You know what I mean? That's the definition of raw in the flesh right there. Then he comes with feel so good the next year. He's displaying kind of a classic 70s, early 70s beard style. Right. Shirtless. And he's checking you on the cover. Come get it's serious. What's the what's the uh, what's the 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 Dilla line? You know, I look at you, you look at me. Oh yeah, look at you, look at me, look at me. You doing it? If you look at that cover, he's looking at you. Look at me. Here I am. <laughs> Feels so good. Feels so good. You know what I mean? There's nothing else to be said. He's just letting. He's letting. Folks, no. Then he came with a secret place. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm, I wasn't real hype on a secret place. He came live at the Bijou, which had a classic joint, um, Saturday night, classic break, premiere. Mm. A word. I'm just kind of running through it. And one more. He came with Reed Seed. Reed Seed. Yeah, I misplaced my Reed Seed. I was actually just looking through. It's that classic cover of Lauren's Dance, Tribe Called Quest Break. Oh, yeah. I Shout mean, out to DJ Center. Got me. No question about that. Grover Washington, man. Grover. And his name's Grover, man. It's a sweet name. Yeah. And for a while, also, because I'm such a... Because Sly Stone Fresh is one of my all-time favorite albums, 
there was a moment when I was copying it like a maniac. Like, if I saw that, unless it was a really busted copy, I'd cop it. So I had the repress. I had the mid-condition original. I had the busted original. And I had the okay, the okay uh, condition original. What the fuck am I going to do with those four records? I don't know. But just play them back to back. Yeah. What's hotter than this? Nothing. Fresh. <laughs> I just get four turntables and play them all at once. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Wow. A lot of booms. Look, I'm, I'm pulling up the Maserati because I want to look at a cover of the Maserati. And uh, there was no cover. But there's this review, and I glanced at it. I didn't want you to think I wasn't listening. But I glanced at this review. And the last sentence says, an album that shouldn't have fallen between the cracks. Maserati has been out of print since the 80s, but is worth picking up if you come across a copy somewhere. Boom. Basically, what they're saying is, you better buy it if you see it. Yeah, don't slip. Don't let it fall between the cracks. Maserati. Maserati. Yeah. We really went in, listeners. Are you still there? I think you're still there. I think we pulled you along, and you know, I'm 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 still a hundred percent locked in. I can't hear shit outside of my own voice and Dave's voice. Actually, you could just blindfold me, and I'd just be in a dark room talking into just the consuming vacuum, vacuumous black hole. I will say, as cool as that sounds, I am concerned. Now I'll explain why. Should a Yeti? Whoa. Should a Yeti fall through, you wouldn't see the Yeti. It's true. They are out there. They're out there. Especially this time. Like, it's, it's, it's winter time. Abominable snowman comes out. And people are all like, oh, it's cool because, you know, it's abominable snowman. And they don't really do the, not do the knowledge and say, oh, it's a Yeti. They just say, oh, abominable snowman, that's nice winter time, you know, frosty the snowman, it's all good, no, no, no. <laughs> so that's all, I just am concerned, I don't want the abominable snowman showing up, needing to get served, and being able to casually walk through your home and leave. You never know. But, uh, that's all, otherwise, I'm, I'm glad you're locked in. I'm locked in. Listeners need you locked in. But are you ever not locked in? I feel like you're always like you're you're fully here for these listeners. I love you, listeners. I'm tempted to start singing songs, but I'm gonna slow up here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna slow up, right, Joe? Let me ask you something. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> these uh, these NBA games are underway. Uh, young men are out uh, playing with uh, passion, enjoying uh, the sport passed down by uh, Mr. Naismith. That's right. And uh, as I lament the, the Cavs drafting uh, Jamal Crawford 2.0, your, your Blazers have enjoyed the stewardship of Damian Lillard. I'm curious what, what's been your take on the Damian Lillard experience so far. 
I mean, I think my take is whenever I get to watch it, it's in, it's it's incredible for the most part. I yeah. think he. I mean, I are there is there another rookie that's playing as well as Lillard? No. Yeah. No. The, the problem really is is that here he is. He's a rookie. He's playing really well. No one else on the team is consistent. He's the most consistent person on the team, and he's a rookie. That's that's the fundamental blazer flaw, in my opinion. Hopefully this isn't salt in the wound or anything. But I, I just find the, the Blazers, it's been the most curious slip into mediocrity that I can remember. And I don't really understand why that why that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I think, I, I honestly think a lot of um, them, I'm looking, trying to think about the last 20 years of, of Blazers, Blazer basketball, and just think about, you know, front office cats, like just the culture of the team or the culture of the organization. And, like, I feel like something's happened, you know what I mean? In the last 10 years, there's been too much fluctuation. So the cats have gotten fired, cats have gotten traded, cats have come and go. I mean, obviously there's been the the unfortunate happenings with Brandon Roy and Greg Oden, but, like, I don't know. Like, um... Blazers made the playoffs every single year for like, I think, what well like, um, it was like almost 20 years straight, 20 seasons. It was something crazy. It was like 17 seasons straight or something. And then it just stopped. So, the Blazers, man. Blazers. I can't call it. Can't yeah. call it. <sighs> Todd's been with the Cavs, man. I can't yeah, man. Know what that is. I mean, the injuries, sure, but. That's a weird team, man. But why is Anderson Verizal just been out here smacking people in the mouth? Boom. Smacking them right in the grill, right in the teeth. Like you're not as good of a basketball player as me. Boom. Is this, is this the ongoing segment? This is vent about our team's mediocrity segment? It's going to change. One day it's going to be. But no, we're too paranoid. Like if they were good, we would be good there. <coughs> Probably not. I'd be too terrified of a jinx. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I just, oh, it's, no. it's, it's gotten, it's gotten to be repetitive. Repetitive is not the right word, but it's unfortunate. It probably is repetitive. It probably is repetitive. I wonder if one or two of the listeners would chime in. I wonder if there's a, is there another team who's mediocre we could talk about? The Indiana Pacers. <laughs> You know, you know who I'm happy though that they're 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 middling right now mm. is is uh, that team from L.A. Oh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. What what do you think about these this this whole big boy pants? <laughs> you know, eh, I I feel like I feel like Kobe knows him and feels like he knows what he can and can't say. What what, what was uh? Pau Gasol's response. So Pau Gasol was told by uh, Kobe Bryant that he needed to put on his big boy pants after complaining about uh, about the way the the team has been playing and his lack of touch. I don't he, think there was much of a response. Yeah, yeah. What, what's Kobe doing here? Even with the terminology, big boy pants. Yeah, that's how you're calling out your your man, Pau. Yeah. 
put on put on your big boy pants. If I was Powell, once again, I pull that card, that fashion shoot card. <laughs> None of you talking about putting some kind of clothes on. Kobe can't talk. It's done. It's over. <laughs> Listeners, you know we've discussed it. Google it. Kobe fashion shoot. Quaker Oats. You know what it is. Must, must, must be seen. But big boy pants, man. Not to me. Not a high level diss. No, it, it is in and of itself kind of childish. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to comment on that. Yeah, I, but your your point is the most critical point of all. Nobody, nobody gets to tell anyone to do anything in regards to clothes after having donned a pilgrim outfit. That's right. If you come pilgrim. Yeah. When, once you go with the pilgrim, the, the the all white pilgrim. It's done. Right. You're out. I want to, I want to bring it back to a past show. Listeners, long time listeners know that about, I think it might have been a year ago, we discussed Boozer and others coming with the drawn on hairstyles. <laughs> okay. Is this still going on? I, I haven't seen it recently. I haven't either. Yeah, I have it. No, you can't do that though. No, you can't. And we went in on that. We had a good discussion, but I wanted to check in because I wanted to make sure that people weren't still trying to do that. You know, I don't know if you've come across this. Well, actually, let me not. Before we go there, you you wanted to build a little bit on a young young Mister O'Neill. Well, I, I I wanted to see if we could try out a new segment. You know, maybe this won't work. But I um I feel like I feel like I have an idea for this new segment called NBA players who retired. But we need a better we need a better um a better name. Something like uh has beens has beens uh grumpy old men. I like that. Okay, but keep going. Yeah. So I was discussing this the other day with uh, our good friend of the podcast, Daniel Littlewood. Shout out. Has there ever been a team, Shaq, talking about Shaq here, the infamous, he was he was basically hated by every team he left. Once he left that team, those fans in that city, there's no, there's no city that likes Shaq where he played in that city. Is this true? I want to throw this at you. What do you think? I think that's true. That's true. And that's kind of an accomplishment. I mean, it's a fucked up accomplishment. Oh yeah. Well, how do people in 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 Phoenix feel about him? Do they care at all? I think so, because he didn't he he kind of fucked up that uh that Heat team. Like, well, well, when he left the Heat to come to the Suns, I guess he fucked up that Suns team too, huh? Yeah, because I mean, he, he you know he slowed the whole offense down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody likes him. Why? Why is everybody fired up about this dude? Like he's an all-time great. I mean, he is, but he's annoying. He's whack. <laughs> you really don't like him, but you are from Cleveland, where he played, and so. Oh, you can you... say, hey, buddy. <laughs> it's true. And occasionally stumbled around out on the court. Exactly. 
I just, I, I guess there aren't many great players. I think he's in that Wilt category where his greatness is equaled by his how curious. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like Wilt, some of the things he accomplished are so unreal that the fact that people could feel negatively about it seems silly or like bizarre. Like, how did you do that? How did you score 100 points in a game and there are people beefing with you? Like, there's nobody fronting on Oscar Robinson. Who fronts on Oscar? No. And as much as Michael Jordan is an acknowledged jerk, like an acknowledged, insane, like psychopathic, I won't say psychopathic, but, you know, his competitiveness is a problem. Like, it's unhealthy, pathological. But it's not like he's disliked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not like, or disrespected. That's a better word. We're disrespecting Shaq. People disrespect Shaq. Nobody disrespects Jordan. No doubt. I guess the thing is, as annoyed, especially when Shaq played for the Lakers, as frustrated and angry and annoyed as I've been with Shaq, I don't... I actually think he is one of the greatest centers to ever to play the game. And I also, I, I, I don't find him, I don't have this, ah, this, 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 I don't want to say hatred, but this kind of like, this residual, like, you know, and everyone I know that is a fan of one of those teams, oh, they can't stand him. Miami people can't stand him. Laker fans hate his guts. Even though he won three titles for the city, they, they, they can't stand him. You know, Orlando, obviously, you know, Celtics. You know, it's just he burned his bridges wherever he went. So I just, I don't know. But I thought it was, I hadn't really thought about the fact that he went to all these different teams. And yet, by the time he left, he left a lot of disgruntled fans. He did. Yeah. He sure did. If I could, I would punch him. (laughs) There you have it. <coughs> That's episode one of uh, Grumpy Old Men. I was—I actually was thinking that this segment could be more about obscure players, yeah, rather than the big stars. But I just wanted to start with that—that Shaq question because it was it was lingering, it was out there, it had been discussed by other, you know, fellow curmudgeons. And uh, I wanted to, you know, bring it on to, into this sphere. I'm, I'm glad that this sphere. You know what I mean? Enjoy it. Oh, I yeah. wanted to do the knowledge with you on this. Done. Now <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> so, just real quick, I we could go in on this, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if we want to go in, go in on this. All the way in. All the way in. And truth be told, you know, once I tell you what this is, so I stumbled across the 50 greatest hip-hop songs of all time list by Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. So obviously it's Rolling Stone, and on a certain level, what the fuck do they know, right? Of course. So I guess 10 is the predictable top 10, or it's a predictable top 10. Shows no vision, shows no insight shows just kind of a superficial cursory understanding of what hip hop is supposed to be. Okay. 
Now, it's 50. And what I found most jarring, and this is totally a personal opinion about this, Outcast Bombs Over Baghdad is number 50. Now, am I just like in the bag for this cut? Or are there really 49 songs better than Bombs Over Baghdad? I, I, it's the most unbelievable, like, it's got a DJ, a guitar solo, a choir, and cats pounding MPCs. It's true. I think it's visionary. I, I mean, I'm not going to... I have thought it's the greatest single, the greatest hip-hop single of all time. I just think it accomplishes everything hip-hop ever set out to do. You're 100%? I can't tell if you're fucking around or not, to be honest. I'm I, I'm serious. I've I've I I I do I love that song. So I, I yeah. I I really think that it. <clears throat> I was not expecting you to come bombs over Baghdad as your favorite hip hop song, or it, as, your, as your as your greatest monumental hip song hip hop song. I, it it like all the thing cats have done over the years. Like oh we're gonna mix it with rock. Oh we're gonna bring in vocalists. Oh you know what I mean? Like they did it all in one track and made it this overwhelming just it's like they took the whole public enemy we're going to make a wall of noise and we're going to cram it in your face but they made it so musical and they made it work it's you know, an incredible song it's an incredible achievement and so i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i think everybody should have it as number one but having it at 50 voice the list more than what they have as number one or whatever but now that you brought that song up i'm going to have to go here what are they singing at the end of the song? Oh, I have no idea. It's one of those lyrics. It's kind of a mystery. I was wondering if you knew, if you had any 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 idea. Let's look at Rap Genius real fast. Listeners, stay with us. We're, we're if you know this song, oh, they're not coming. They 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 punked out. Gotta come with that extended version. They're singing at the end, and there's the cuts. Those cuts, Mr. DJ went in on those cuts. Gosh. He, he really went in. That's a monumental song. I'm glad you brought that song to the listeners. I, I, go revisit it. And, and partly I'm colored by the, the ridiculous video. But the video was ridiculous, and it was great. And so... so now I pre- now I, I ask you because I, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot, but I feel like you can get the answer to this in about three guesses. What is the number one greatest hip hop song of all time? Well, all right, the stare the cliche joints. You can go, rapper's delight. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know. Are they gonna? Are, are cats really gonna go that far old school these days? You know, the message of rapper's delight. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Really? Become the message? Message is one. Is one. Two. Rapper's delight. What is this? Three. Planet Rock. Okay. Okay. Yep. If you're gonna put Planet Rock on this list, then you just need to put that at number one. Maybe the most influential of all of them. Yeah. I that South hip hop came from Planet Rock. Yeah. Um, number four, Sucker MCs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number five, I think, is is inspired, and I think 
it made me get, it gave me hope about this list. Number five is Ghetto Boys Mind Playing Tricks on Me. I don't know. If, uh, all right, I give it to him for putting it there, but because I, I, I'm gonna hear what's number six and seven and eight and nine and ten, and I'm gonna be like, those songs aren't better. Yeah, get out of here. Mind playing tricks on me, number five. Yeah, six is nothing but a G thing. <laughs> this is so fucking. This is. Oh, we gotta put a West Coast. We gotta put a South song. Yeah. Top five. We gotta put a West Coast song. Yeah, but but I. What's touching deep cover? If you're gonna go West Coast, what's you gotta go fucking first? You gotta go either like um, you gotta go the early NWA shit to me. Yeah. Or the early Ice T shit. See, and then we we're, we're in a tough spot here. Are you going most influential or are you going greatest? What's the greatest song? What are the greatest songs? Yeah. But see, to me, nothing but a G thing is it's it's a it's it's classic. But I almost put like um, if you're gonna go influential slash greatest, like nothing but a G thing to me. It's very catchy and it's 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 in the wedding playlist level because it's, it got it became such a big pop song. But I'd go actually with something from Snoop's album. I'd go if you're gonna. If you're gonna go with that little era of early, you know, the the really big West Coast shit, I'd go Gin and Juice or something. Because, hey. I mean, Deep Cover. I'm not saying Deep, deep Cover though is a little too underground. I think it is too, underground, but I just I, Snoop's verse and part of it is that moment, like you know, when you see somebody great or hear somebody great for the first time, right? Yeah. And it was like, who the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, moments when i saw the 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 uh digital underground video tupac go ahead and rock there moments. yeah yeah hey and you know creep with me okay yeah right but i agree with you i i think that snoop album gets overlooked for how just brilliantly produced that is it's just a great record we don't talk about it enough all right seven fight the power Again, that's not that's not Public Enemy's greatest song. No, that's not at all. And eight, uh, juicy. Again, not Big's greatest song. Yeah, although I was listening to Juicy the other day and I was like, "Wow, Juicy, man." I mean, it's great, but it's great. I, but I, I actually, I actually am more angry about "Fight the Power" being the one in there. Like that's just so fucking cliche shit to me. Very. Come on, man. Very, yeah, and nine is straight out of Compton. That should have been that should have been number five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And number ten is uh, paid in full. These cats that write these things, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna sit and read these descriptions because they. You know, it's like they write these interesting things. Like for Paid in Full, they say Exhibit A, Akim as hip hop <coughs> train, his incandescent thought bubble rap, barely a minute long, is all iced flow and slide beat dodging, a good versus evil meditation that calmly frames thug life inside real life economics and a novelist's eye for detail. That was all one sentence, and I left out the lyrics. Thug life. Thug life. 
the primordial beat taken from Soul Searcher's Ashley's Roach Clip. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you got Wu-Tang as 11 with Cream. Uh, they reminisce over you as 12. I'm not going to go through and read the whole list, but first Beastie Boys is Paul Revere. I can appreciate that. Yeah. We have not hit a native tongue yet. I, I, I don't know. Our first native tongue is 26 scenario. All right. I'm just getting slightly annoyed. <laughs> I'm just getting slightly annoyed. But, I mean, I you know, just do a list of, like, the most successful hip-hop songs. And then do a list of the most influential. And then do a list of, I don't know, or do the list of the most lyrically influential and the most fucking culturally influential. I don't know. Doing a list of the greatest, it's always just going to be on some bullshit. It is. It is. Because, you know, I mean, paid in full is essential, but I just thought Mahogany was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, if you're looking at, like, again, influential. Yeah. Uh, Kim came out and cats were like, oh, shit. Oh, sure. Nas came out and cats were like, holy shit. And really, and Snoop came out and cats were like, holy shit. You know what I mean? The Nas they chose is New York's state of mind, which is curious. It's curious. Especially because it wasn't, yeah, it's curious. Yeah. No. Yeah. You want know to say, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's why I say that. Fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. I'm locked in, strapped down. Hey, yo. I have I have a couple questions for you. Sure. All right. Recently, there was a, I think in the last week, there was a, um, there was an article penned in the New York Times called, you know where I'm going, listeners. You know how I get down. It's called How to Live Without Irony. Hmm. There's a drawing here of two hipsters wearing Justin Bieber t-shirts. Deep in the article, the authors, you know, the authors is soul-searching about how she can't understand the hipsters, and then she realizes halfway through that she's kind of a hipster. Is this, you know, my reaction is fuck you. Right. But she, she, she wants to attempt to, like, let people, she's, like, writing, trying to be, you know, stop being a hipster. Stop being ironic. And I, I, I thought I, she runs down these questions, and I thought maybe we could ask ourselves these questions and see what happens. Okay. All right? Okay. It might be kind of a weak segment here. I might be, you know, I might really fail on this one. But this is the paragraph. Here's the start. Look around your living space. Mm. Do you surround yourself with things you really like or things you like only because they are absurd? I don't think I own one thing that I own because I think it's absurd. Exactly. I have no intention of buying things and having them because they are absurd. No, no, no. I mean, it's... Its absurdity would have to be its freshness. Exactly. 
not its absurdity it would have to be its absurdity. I don't, I don't want people to walk into my apartment and be like, oh, wow, that's absurd. No. no. What is no? Okay. No, and plus, that absurd thing, I could spend that money on fucking <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen to your own speech. Ask yourself, do I communicate primarily through inside jokes and pop culture references? Primarily, no, but I like using them. Yeah, I, I definitely spend a lot of time on inside jokes. I don't understand how inside jokes makes you a hipster, but maybe it's if it, it's in a snide way. Or is it be, if I make inside jokes that are inside, say, me, me and someone else in front of you, is that kind of the... Anyway. Mm. What percentage of my speech is meaningful? This is so... <laughs> I can stop language do I use? Yeah, you're there. There it is. Do I feign indifference? Hey, fuck you. We like, yeah. What percentage of my speech is meaningful based on what? Exactly. Just that these hipsters talk for no, they just talk. Who just talks? Look you know at that? Your, look at your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> These hipsters want to write these articles about hipsters and about them and, and deal with their own hipster lives. I guess that they can do this. And and look, this this is so self-indulgent. Like, so this woman is an assistant professor of French at Princeton University. Her yep. research focuses primarily on. I'm not I'm not going to go into her research because it's not about that. But she's an assistant professor of French. Did she say how old she is? Yeah, she's born in 77. She's my age. She talks about how she kind of, she grew up in the 90s mostly before kind of the real big hipster thing hit, but she examines her, her lifestyle and realizes that she's doing these things like buying absurd shit. What are you doing? Man. See, because ultimately other people's shit is their shit, right? And it may not be your shit, but it's somebody's shit. Yeah. So you don't run around taking things that you think are absurd because what you're doing is clowning somebody else on their shit. And that's kind of juvenile. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's childish. But this, this read to me, man, I'm really, I only, you know, maybe I should never have brought this up. It's interesting, like, she kind of examines that in this article, I feel like. But it's all it ends up being kind of this self-indulgent piece of, like, you know, I'm trying to analyze myself. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Which, to me, it comes back to the hipster fucking, the hipster shit of, like, it's so, it's just so self-indulgent on their own shit. Like, no. Go away. Like this, this part about gifts. I find it difficult to give sincere gifts. Instead, I often give what in the past would have been accepted only at a white elephant gift exchange. A kitschy painting, a coffee mug with flashy images of Texas. Good for a chuckle in the, chuckle in the moment, but worth little in the long term. Now, <clears throat> I, I will admit that I put too much energy into gifts. And partly it's because I have, and I think I get this from my dad. 
I have a tendency to give gifts that are lukewarm when you give them, but like a year and a half later, people are like, oh my God, I'm so glad you got this. Word. It's nice. It's nice, but it's also can be a little underwhelming, right? Like, uh, my niece, this little turtle that lights up and puts like, uh, little constellations on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Or like they were everywhere. Cause now you see them all over the place, right? But they, it, you just put it in a, on the floor and it would light up and put little stars in the ceiling. So I give this to my sister to give to my niece and she's like, what the hell is this? I mean, she wasn't mean like that. She's like, oh, okay. Right? Like, what is this? Right? Mm-hmm. And it just leads to this awkward moment where you give someone something kind of underwhelming. Like once my dad gave me a GPS and I was like, yeah, well, part of my asshole. And I, I couldn't hide my disappointment. Like, well, why are you, like, I don't need this. This is, I have to pay for this, like some subscription fee. I didn't know how they worked. And then, of course, years later, I'm like, Dad, this is one of the best things anybody's ever bought, right? But that takes such deep thought to do that, mm-hmm. right? Because you're really thinking, like, okay, and my niece in the room, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're really thinking about what they would use long term, or yeah. you know what I mean? But this is just so dismissive. It's the gift, and she she owns it. I somehow cannot bear the thought of a friend disliking a gift I'd chosen with sincerity. The simple act of noticing my self-defensive behavior has made me think deeply about how potentially toxic, ironic posturing could be. Now, that's important, but it's disappointing to know that there are people who roll like that. But she owns it. You know, there's value to this piece. There is. I'm, there is. Blow it up. Just because I think that it's important. Uh, it's important sometimes to kind of think. It will because like it would be nice. It, it would be nice if I gave people gifts and they were like, "Oh, this is sweet," and they were excited. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes they are. You know, sometimes it's like, "Oh, it's really thoughtful," but sometimes you want people to think, "Oh, that's sweet." And I guess that's what she's saying. Like, you want people to say, "Oh, that's sweet," and rather than putting myself out there, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going too far deep on this. It's no, no, this is exactly what we, where we needed to go because I was kind of just. This delivering a typical screed against hipsters. This being, ah, yeah, you know what I mean? Needed to get deeper. Yeah. We need to talk about these gifts. You know what I mean? And I gotta say, like, I'm not very good at giving gifts. Not in the sense of what she's talking about, mm. but because I get wrapped up in my head on what is a meaningful gift. Right. And I'm not gonna give a bullshit gift. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, sometimes I just get wrapped up and then I end up, you know, on the deadline of, like, oh, the birthday or the holiday, I don't have the gift, but I might have the gift down the road. I just don't want to give a bullshit gift, you know. That being said, I could get my act together and give something, so, you know. Oh, yeah. <coughs> but this is idea of giving absurd shit and having absurd shit just to have it fuck out of here. I think it's time. I think it's time. Now, I'm really going to switch it up here. Okay. I don't even know if I'm ready to read these lyrics. <laughs> this is definitely an AO song. Okay. Okay? I, I don't even... We're going to go in. Alright? We're talking about EPMD. EPMD... Well, the EPMD made a classic song called Get the Bozak. Right. I was just talking with the wife yesterday about the Bozak. She was not familiar with the Bozak. The Bozak. 
She thought I was making it up. I'm sorry, continue. Get the Bozak's classic. Basically, they go... I could read Get the Bozak, but I'm going to go even deeper with the Bozak AO. <laughs> At the end of Get the Bozak, they, Eric Sermon even comes with one of his classic singing styles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get the Bozak, the Boz... Yeah, it's classic. Go look it up. So hard to explain it to your wife. But go, yes, okay, yes. Then in the next album... They came with a song called <laughs> Mr. Bozak. <laughs> Mr. Bozak. And I, I, I admittedly, when I, when I bought that tape back in the day, I never really deeply listened to Mr. Bozak. I knew some of the lines. I figured they were just talking about some sex. Right. Then I realized recently that it's actually PMD talking talking to his dick talking to Mr. Bozak right 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 I'm sorry I just, I, I quickly googled Bozak yeah Urban Dictionary defines it as the sack like structure that holds the balls I'm such a 12 year old alright I'm sorry Go ahead. this is gonna be real wow Alright, so wait, the second definition is phonetically, it's your ball sack, not the rest of the three-piece set, just the sack. And used in a sentence, it is, get off my Bozak, biatch. Used in a sentence. Used in a sentence. Here it is. Okay, we're going to use it in a couple sentences now. You ready? Mr. Bozak. Good morning, Mr. Bozak. Time to wake up the nuts. For what? To hit the shower so I can wash the butt. Damn, word life, I had a blast. Last night was crazy. It was ass for days. Nuts. <laughs> and a full tank of gas. Golly gee, word P, tits and VD. Pussy kicking the, louder than my Alpine Benzy. Wow. Fox, yes. Fresh, sweet, like gumdrops. Pay me like Oprah and know when the cock block. Slow down, big fella. I think you're gassing me. Why? P, get off my big dick. Chill. Stop harassing me. Your dick? You mean my dick. And don't forget. Now let me scrub that head because it smells like fish. I can stop there. I don't even, I, I, I just, this song struck me as so ridiculous that I had to pull it out. That's outstanding, man. I, I want everybody, I'm going to go later, and I'm going to go listen to Mr. Bozak. Mr. Bozak. seems, though, really where it's come down on things is, is that Mr. Sermon probably need to make better choices with young women he was uh, hanging out with. And, and, and if, it feels, smells like fish. Might that not be the time to step away? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Mr. Bozak, man. Mr. Bozak. A kind of an underwhelming ending with the lyrical renaissance there. But it's important to discuss. <coughs> excuse me. It's important to discuss. Uh, these things, these, these slangs, these Bozak. 
This is critical. Yeah. This is critical. In a lot of ways. <laughs> it is. Because there's a lot of people out there who really need to get the Bozak. <laughs> I, in high school, I had my science teacher saying, get the Bozak. That's awesome. That's, that's, I would stand up and applaud, but no one could see it. That's, that's important. See, anytime you can get a teacher on board without being on board, that's full mockery. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Any grown-up adult, we need to get what? It's time to bring this Bozak back. Bozak, man. The Bozak. You know what I mean? Shout out Chris Jackson, the Greek man Plato. He knows what I'm talking about. Shout out. Shout out. Any shout outs before we're out of here? What do I want to shout out? First of all, I want to shout out fatigue. I'm exhausted. And I want to shout out. No, all right, let's see. A real serious shout out. I, I want to shout out. No, no shout outs. If shout outs are done. I'm trying to think of who I want to shout out. I think we should shout out Noah Prince driving us around. Yeah, yeah. Things got a little dicey there a little bit, but that's part of the fun. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I want to shout out Cool Record Shops. Yeah. Definitely want to shout them out. And on the reels, I want to shout out them Cleveland Caps. They're, they suck, but they're great. Shout out. True fan right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate that saying. Can we get rid of real talk? Real, real talk. What was before real talk? On the real? Keep it real. Real talk. Because you could be on the real to real. On the real to real. Or, or are we? Are we good? Real talk, man. <laughs> we are real talk. This is real talk. Real podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Real internets. Nothing fake has happened yet. Get that fake shit out of here. I might punch a fake thing right in the neck. <laughs> I need to make a list of the time, of the different things that you're punching in the neck. And I can't. I, at some point in my life, I'm really going to get to punch something in the neck, and it's going to be nowhere near as fresh as I think it is. It, yeah. I might have to change the Fresher Than Your Father logo to you punching something like, you know, like a hippopotamus in the neck. You know, this all started with, you know, I, I, I don't know how I got on this, but uh, I just, I really felt like people needed to understand how hard I was. So I used to illustrate that by explaining them what I would do with to a bear. I would just kind of boil it down to <coughs> I chop a bear right in its fucking neck. Boom. Fresher than your father podcast number 42. We went in went in and don't come around with any fake talk exactly or else neck chops next chops and, and bozak getting <laughs>